Well, what do you think about that? Every good dad needs to learn to say no, huh, to the right people. Sure glad you're here. We want to take just a minute and honor the fathers today. If you're here and you're a dad, would you just stand up and remain standing while we pray? Come on, give these guys a big hand today. We bless you today. Honored to have you here in the house of the Lord. No one would disagree that America is a troubled nation. America is spinning. It's like little children play this little game when you spin around and then you don't know which way to go. That kind of reminds me of our nation now. And it just seems like what, what happens in Washington or even Austin is too big for me to do anything about. But yet I can influence my part of the world every day of my life. I can influence my children. I can influence my grandchildren. I can influence nieces and nephews. I can influence kids on the block or those that are in my circle. And if you and I would resolve afresh today that I'm going to be a godly example, that I'm going to tell a younger generation what they don't hear anywhere else, I'm going to tell them about a loving God, I'm going to tell them about a holy God, I'm going to tell them about the way that God has for them, and I'm going to tell them one day they'll give an account for their lives, and I'm going to introduce them to Jesus. I'm going to live the life, and I'm going to make sure that they know this same Jesus. I want to tell you, we'll change the world, come on now, one kid at a time, if we are bringing Christian influence. To those that we, to the kids that we influence, I want. I do want to pray with you today, but I, I want to say this first. I, I felt the Lord spoke to me last night about some dads that are here that grapple with shame and guilt because of what we didn't do or haven't done as a parent. Life is not perfect. Life is not always easy, and all of us make mistakes. But I felt the word of the Lord last night that Satan beats some of us up. I mean beats us up because of failures of our past. And I heard the Lord say last night, you tell them that I have forgiven them and I don't hold their past against them. And I'm not judging them anymore to recognize the lie and resist it because God is a good God and he wants to help you be the best father you can from this day going forward. How many believe that today? Would you just pray with me now? Father, we bless all these men. Lord, some men here have the joy of holding an infant baby. Others, Lord, are grandfathers. Others are great-grandfathers. Lord, wherever we are on this journey, I just want to pray for the grace of God to fall afresh on us. Lord, we don't always know what to do, and sometimes we make mistakes. But I pray that you would help us to be a godly example. I pray that you would help us have grace. I pray that you would help us be deliberately teaching, Lord, our kids the right thing. Holy Spirit, we can't do this without you. And we just need you to help us. Would you just reach out to heaven with me all over the room right now and say, God, would you help me? Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is uncertain. But God, I need you to help me. And I'm asking you right now, I'm humbling myself, saying, God, please help me to be the best parent that I can. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Give it up one more time for these guys. God bless you, fellas. Well, good morning. I've got my two girls here this morning. Could I embarrass you, Rebecca and Bethany? Would y'all stand up? Come on now. Give them a big hand here. Turn, your, turn, wait, wait, turn around and do that little belly thing. Bethany's having a baby in July, a little girl. And, uh, of course, my name is John Henry Miller. And uh, I, I'm encouraging her to carry on the tradition, Juanita Henrietta Miller-Belk. No. She is leaning towards uh, Mia Lane. So I, I, I'm not sure. Well, we'll see, huh, honey? Hey, it's great having kids. And uh, in some ways, I'm glad, I guess, that my, my family is here. And I have a little confession I need to make. But I have another child. I'm glad you're laughing. Because you're not the mother. This is easier than I thought it was going to be. I want to show you a picture of him. I think he favors me a little bit. I'm kind of a multiracial creation here, and I, I think it's in the next generation as well. His name is Buddy, and they thought since they'd moved out of the house that uh, I needed a little pal to hang out with me. So he's, he's fun. We've had him a couple days. 
Listen, let's shift gears. And we've been talking the last few weeks. This is actually six in the series called uh, uh, Spiritual Terrorism. And it's about a biblical look at what the Bible teaches about the reality of the unseen spiritual world. We've been looking at what the Bible says about the reality of Satan, about demons, and not in a spooky, mystical, you know, uh, uh, demon-possessed way, but how he tries to influence and control us in our everyday life. If you've been with me, of course, this is all online. You can pick it up. But we, we, we talked about Judas. Remember how for the love of money, Satan entered Judas. He betrayed Christ. We saw how Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, and she ate and she gave into, and it got us in this mess. Last week we talked about David, another case study, and how David was a, was a man uh, who uh, was sexually tempted. And uh, he fell for the temptation and the struggle that uh, came in his life because of that. So it's very practical, but today I want to talk about how Satan uses offenses to damage relationships. Every one of us in this room gets offended. We get our feelings hurt. Somebody steps on our toes. Uh, somebody said something or they didn't say something, and we get offended. Uh, and this is especially true for dads, for moms raising their kids. But uh, I felt to broaden the message today because how many know church members get offended? Church family gets offended. We choose sides sometimes against one another. Maybe a business relationship that you're in. You, you've had a partner for years, uh, a best friend on the ball team, and something happens, you get offended, and the relationship shatters. Well, this is not a new thing that happens, but uh, it's filled in the pages of Scripture. And I want to look at a New Testament example today. Paul the Apostle writes, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, obviously the town of Corinth, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 5, he says, the man who caused all the trouble, he hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Now we don't know, he doesn't tell us who this man was. We have two uh, letters of Corinthians, scholars suggest that it's four, perhaps even five different letters, so we don't know who this man was. Uh, it could have been the man in early Corinthians in, in an incestuous relationship, but pr probably not. It could have been someone that had mistreated Timothy. But more than likely, because Paul said the church was hurt and I was hurt, it was someone that rose up and questioned his apostolic authority, and it was dividing the church. So irrespective of what it was, I want you to see that, 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 that the word hurt, this word offended. Verse 6 now says, most of you opposed him. That could create another offense, and the punishment was enough. But now it shifts. Now is the time to do what? Forgive, Forgive and comfort him. Now we're reconciling. There was conflict. There was disagreement. We sided with truth, not to just get along with people for the sake of getting along, but we sided with truth, and now we're endeavoring to restore the relationship. He says, Forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement, this guy could get offended, get his feelings hurt, quit the church. He says, I urge you now, reaffirm your love for him. That is, reconciliation after the uh, correction. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And here's the strangest verse that's after that. And I want you to say this with me. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil scheme. Now think about what we just read. We read about, think of these key words, trouble, it caused hurt or offense, there was opposition, there was a punishment, a correction, he got discouraged, so we comforted him, forgave him, and loved him, and Satan was somehow behind all of this. There was just like a piece of fabric, you probably can't see it, but I've got a, there's a, there's a light line, a light blue line, a little crisscross line that's woven into the fabric of this suit. And just as this fabric was woven in, Satan wove himself into getting a people offended at one another so he could break relationships. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, I'm going to basically deal with five questions and answers from the Bible about being offended. The first four are very personal. They're about people that offend me, what I do when I'm offended, how I respond. Uh, what if someone is offended at me? And then we're going to go broad a little bit in our culture. Because how many know the buzzword in our culture today, all you have to do is to say to get your way is to say, I'm offended. 
And that just shuts everything down. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. I've entitled it Offenses, The Bait of Satan. And uh, I, I wanted to credit John Bevere's book that had a great influence on me in, uh, in this message in the past. Now, there's a central truth, a spiritual truth that I want to convey to you this morning about the message. And it's simply this. Offenses are the bait. It's like the cheese in, in, in the mousetrap. They're the bait that Satan wants to use to destroy relationships. But I want to give you hope. Because the Bible shows us about the power of love and forgiveness to restore what's been broken. So let's go ahead and begin today. And I want to begin with the question, what does it mean to be offended? This is an Old Testament concept as well because it's unique to the human race. Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended friend, another word is insulted or wronged. He's harder to win back than a fortified city. And then they say it again in the proverb. Arguments, In other words, when you're offended, you're arguing. It will separate friends like a gate locked with bars. You came into the church, whatever entrance you came in this morning, you came in easily because the door was unlocked. But what if you tried to come in and someone from the inside had locked the door with the key and they could still see you out the window, but you couldn't come in because they had locked you out? And how many know that's exactly what offenses have the power to do? Whether it's for a husband and a wife, a dad and his kids, or, or a church members, or, or, or people that we relate to in the world. Uh, this word offense means to feel hurt. It means to feel angered, to feel mistreated, to feel wronged by what someone said or didn't say, or what they did or didn't do. Uh, I have offended people, a true story. Walking down the aisle, shaking hands, I'm a very, you know, I, I love people and I like to say hello. And uh, obviously I can't shake everybody's hand, but I had someone get offended at me one time because I didn't shake their hand coming down the aisle. And they thought, well, do you not like me? Or you feel like you're better than me? Or maybe you're jealous of me. I mean, this is what happens, and this is how insane the whole thing about offenses can be. We love each other, but then something happens to hurt me. Uh, another definition, it can be that we become enraged or outraged because we feel attacked or insulted. Now, there's a Greek word that's uh, uh, for this idea of offense, and it is the Greek word scandalon, just like we get the word scandal or scandalous. And a definition is it is the bait, the scandal is the bait in the trap that Satan uses to try to cause us to stumble when we get offended. Um, it can be real, it can be imagined. How many of you can make a Facebook post and uh, somebody gets offended just because you published an article? Uh, I have decided I'm not going to be one of these people that argues on Facebook and always tries to convince people because you never can. But I'll often post a lot of uh, articles, I think, that are worth reading. I mean, I post anything from archaeology in Israel, but I may, may post something about uh, racism. I may post something about, you know, COVID-19 or whatever, if I think it was a, a, a reputable source. And I have had people respond to me that they got offended by what I said because they interpreted that, uh, that I was attacking them. So this is the way it works, but Satan's behind it. I had been in pastoral ministry 40 years, and I've observed something, both in people's lives but in mine, the progression that an offense takes. And I'm very deliberate in this first part of the message to perhaps cause you to search your own heart and ask the question, am I offended at somebody? Uh, and if, here's how it goes. Someone hurts us or makes us mad, and we get upset and become angry. And it's at that point there's a decision to be made. We're either going to endeavor to clear it up, straighten it out, apologize, whatever the case is. Or, flip side, we attack with words or we withdraw and build walls to protect ourselves. Now, about personality, how many are a little more of the aggressive type? I'm passive aggressive, but how many are aggressive and just ready to go to fists uh, with somebody when they get offended at you? Anybody here? Three or four honest people here. Oh, five, six, seven. Somebody's pointing at their wife. Okay, I got you now. <laughs> Uh, well, how many are passive-aggressive? That's what I am. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a little easier to say that, which, which simply means I'm going to hurt you and you're not going to know it. Uh, I'm going to do things to you, uh, you know, if I happen to be cooking for you. Oh, honey, I didn't mean to put that much red pepper in it. I am so, so sorry. 
Oh, honey, I forgot that you were allergic to shellfish. I am so sorry. We, we hurt in different ways, but we still hurt. But, the, but it keeps progressing because now the issue of forgiveness comes into play. And if we refuse to forgive, it's downhill. Uh, some people will seek revenge. And it might take years, but we'll remember. Other times we become bitter. And if you become a bitter person, the book of Hebrews talks about a root of bitterness. And it grows deep in our soul, this root of bitterness. And it affects everything about us. Obviously, what will happen if you keep going here, the relationship will fall apart. But also, your relationship with God will be affected. Now, I want to suggest to you in the strongest terms, when this dynamic is happening in your life, Satan is just involved in you egging it along as he was in the Corinthian church. You know, one of the saddest things is most hurtful offenses happen with people that are close to us. It's rare that someone, you know, that I don't know... Uh, now, I get my feelings hurt on Facebook sometimes. I, you may not, but I, 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 I'm, I'm too sensitive for my own good. Um, and and I, I read every email, and I probably shouldn't, but I get my feelings hurt pretty easy. But most of the more serious offenses that I've had in my life have come from people that were closest to me. Something that I wish they would have done and didn't do, or something that they did do that just kind of blew me away there. Um, families hurt church members. We get hurt, and we take sides. We choose one another. Uh, people in a business together. Uh, I heard about a, a, a law firm in uh, Minnesota, I think it was, and the senior managing partner of the firm uh, found out that some of his lower-level employees were uh, making uh, Facebooks, uh, Facebook posts, social media posts about politics, and they were both on the different side of the spectrum. And uh, he fired them because he. And that's the spirit of the world today. You know, you, I don't like what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm off with your head. He fired them, and then his partners, uh, his uh, law partners, he said, you, they said, you can't do that because, you know, you were breaking a law. Well, these people have their own rights, and he got mad, and he fired them. Uh, the true story. So, so what you have now is you have lawsuits destroying this whole organization and all these families that had built nice lives simply because an offense started, and rather than agreeing to disagree or, or we just went the attack mode and pushed the power mode, and things fell apart. But how about a, how about a teenage uh, little girl? Uh, and daddy, I don't know what, doesn't give her attention, doesn't you know, go to her ball games or things, and they fi she finds some fellow, and she gets her feelings hurt. You know, maybe it's award ceremony, and every dad is there but mine. And she can't understand that, you know, you're a long-haul truck driver, whatever the case is, but an offense falls in. Come on, the kid runs away, or the kid gets a bad boyfriend. These things happen. And maybe this, though, is why Ephesians 6 said this, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. It's a powerful, powerful scripture. And uh, anyway, so that's the first question. What does it mean to be offended? Now, let's look at the second one. What are the signs that we're offended? Now, I want to share this, not a collection of scripture, but an uh, introspective look at my own life from when I had been offended. And here's the first thing. Uh, we re relive the offense over and over in our mind. Now, I know you don't do this, but I moved to Texas from California, and I had had someone that I was in a very close relationship with, someone that was a more mature Christian than me, that did something or didn't do something, and it hurt me very deeply. And uh, we just, you know, we butted heads, and we never resolved it as Christians should, and uh, I ended up leaving. And uh, seven years later, I'm cutting my grass. I had a house in Wake Village. I'm cutting my grass, and as I cut my backyard, all I can think about was what they had done to me. I'm just being honest with you. Now, I know you don't have this problem, and you probably could have got a better sermon at a, another church with a preacher that didn't have these struggles. But I'm telling you, I'm cutting the grass seven years later, thinking all that they had done wrong and very little about what I had done to make the process work worse. Here's the second thing. We start talking negatively about them to other people. It, our, our conversation changes. Number three, we find ourselves punishing them. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's overt ways. It's kind of like you hurt me and I'm going to hurt you. Uh, if we know that Father's Day is super important to Dad and we're offended at Dad, I'm so sorry, Dad. I just forgot to send you a card. 
Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. You know, I made another commitment, and uh, I, I just can't come by today. Sometimes it's subtle like that. Sometimes it's kind of in your face. Say, look, I hate you. You, you, you never love me anyway. But this is, we, we punish the other person. And in this punishment, we build a wall between us and the person who offended us, and we pull away. We may do things like uh, uh, unfriending them on Facebook, or, or maybe they text us and we don't return their text. Or maybe they send us a $100 bill, a $100 bill trying to restore and get back on our good side in a birthday card, and we don't even bother to say thank you. This is happening. And one thing that I learned, and this is kind of the big one, time does not make things better. I've heard it said that time heals all wounds. I want to tell you, it's a lie. Because I'm telling you from experience, I'm cutting my grass. Seven, I'm preaching every Sunday. I'm living the Christian life. I have a great life. I'm duck hunting. I'm doing fun. I'm living my life. But somehow, this person has found a root in my mind, and they, they don't even know it. You're quiet on me this morning. Well, listen, if you find yourself in offense, I've got some good news. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to show you how to get out of that thing. Because you have two choices when you're offended. You can keep partnering with Satan and take the scandal on. Now, I, I can't remember. Uh, did I tell you the definition of the scandal on in this service? I did. You say I did, you say I didn't. So you need to be listening, one of you. <laughs> scandal on, I think I did. Scandal on is that Greek word for being offended. It is taking the bait of Satan. And uh, so I've got two choices. I can either keep partnering with Satan and keep chewing on the bait, like the little mousy, mousy in the trap, or I could just spit it out. Because I don't know about you, but I feel a whole lot better after I get over the thing than whether, when I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if I've got to go to apologize to someone, and I've had to do that somewhat frequently in my, in my life, if I have to go to apologize to you, my little heart's about to beat out of my chest when I'm going there. I'm trying to find every reason not to do it. But you know, when I do it, I just feel better because I've done the right thing. Now, let's explore this a little bit. Third question, how do we get free when we're caught in the trap of offense. Now, Genesis 37, I want to look at the story of Joseph. The story begins, uh, Joseph is 17 years old. His daddy, Jacob, Israel, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, he had 11 brothers other than Joseph, and Joseph is the youngest child. So here we got this little boy. And daddy, he was daddy's favorite. This is probably daddy's mistake. But Daddy made him what was called a coat of many colors. It was like a fancy little jacket. And his brothers were envious, and they got jealous at Joseph, so they got offended at him. Now, here's what they said because they were so offended. Now, they're off, and they're watching the sheep in the wilderness, and Joseph's, Daddy sends Joseph to check on how they're doing. And when the brothers, look at verse 18, they see Joseph coming, they said, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. So this offense that their brother had done this, and it got so bad, they're ready to kill each other. This is why, uh, you know, you went to a wedding one day, and there was these two people in love, and they're just looking at each other, and they're crying, and, and they're just so happy, and they're putting rings on the fingers. And, you know, a few years later, maybe seven years later, uh, domestic violence ha has to come over and has to rescue her or has to rescue him. And something happened to break this apart. Well, Joseph now, uh, they threw him in this well. Now, they, 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 their offense was perhaps, you know, it was a little extreme. Offended at brother because they're not the favorite. But now Joseph had a reason to be offended. See, sometimes people do things to hurt us, and it's real. It's not a Facebook post, but it's a real deal. Your brothers throw you in a pit, and more than likely when he fell in that pit, he probably scraped himself up. He could have got a good bruise. He could have been bleeding. Uh, it is more than likely there were some bugs or critters in that little well down there. He could have got bitten by a scorpion. We don't know. But what we do know is he is sold as a slave, and he didn't go in an air-conditioned car. He walks on the sand all the way to Egypt behind a camel, and he gets over there, and he's sold into slavery. And that's the way he lived. Now, if somebody has a right to be offended, how many can say it's Joseph? But let me fast forward now 17 years ahead. And something incredible has happened. God has promoted Joseph to the vice president of Egypt. 
And there's a famine that's coming in the land. And the famine, it's in the land already. And basically, the whole part, that whole part of the world was going to die because there wasn't enough food. But God had Joseph in a position to where he was elevated. And he had a plan to literally feed the world. Now, let's look and see what happened when he sees his brothers. Chapter 45, verse 4. Mind you now, he's standing in front of these same brothers. It's 17 years later. And he's standing in front of these guys that, uh, that caused all this problem. And he said, I'm Joseph, your brother who sold you into slavery. You think you showed me pain. Wait till I'm about what I'm going to do to you. It's not what he said. Joseph said, don't be upset. Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Now look at the most incredible statement. God sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and preserve many survivors. And then he said it again. God made me the governor of Egypt. Now here's something I know. Here's how I know Joseph wasn't offended. Joseph still had an intimate relationship with God. Because what happens to offended people is it not only affects them, but it affects their relationship with God. I cannot have unforgiveness or bitterness in my heart towards you and have a close relationship with God. Remember the Lord's Prayer when Jesus said, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? And then he went on to say, if you forgive men their sins, I'll forgive you. But if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. It's like a, I love those pots uh, uh, that Freeman Landscape did for us. Brent goes to our church here and they put those, the flowers and the little trees out front. and They're just beautiful. And uh, they put an irrigation system in. But what happens, uh, what happens if that irrigation system gets clogged or somebody forgets to turn it on? After about a week of July or August sun, every plant in that planter will be dead because that life brings water. And in the same way, unforgiveness will, will, will quench the water of God in your life. Unforgiveness will quench the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, Joseph didn't do that. God made me governor. And look at verse 14. It's, it's just incredible because I know some of you are thinking like I was. That's easy for him to say. They don't know what happened to me. He's never gone through the pain I've gone through. All I can tell you is it's seven years after and I've got myself in a knot cutting my grass. Weeping with joy, he embraced his younger brother Benjamin and then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and he wept over them. Now you might be saying, you aggressive people, I'd give them a kiss too. Right in the smacker, I'd give them one. But that's not what he said. He, he, and, and this is not a, a, a sexual type kiss. It's an expression of, it's an expression of love. Uh, and then he said uh, uh, he kissed his brothers and he wept over them. So here's my question. How could a man who was treated so badly come back to love? How could someone who hated, probably, he, he was troubled. Now, listen, he wasn't perfect. You know, he kind of strung his brothers out a little while. I think he had to get some of it out of his system. But he came to a place where he was able to love them. And I want to tell you the two most profound ways that I've experienced in life that the Bible teaches how you can get healed from an offense. The first one is that Joseph chose to forgive those that hurt him. And the second one is Joseph chose love instead of hate. Now, let me, let's talk about the forgiveness one because I'm convinced you won't be able to love the person who hurt us until we forgive them. Now, we know that love is, is an action you know, I, I do loving things for people. I express my love. But love is also a feeling in us. We do it because we have this feeling of love. But if you've quenched it, if you have unforgiveness, you're not going to have that flow of love. Listen to what uh, Paul said in a very mature verse to Colossians 3 Christians. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Now, now think about Joseph's brothers. Think about if this was directed to Joseph. Make allowance for their faults. In other words, it doesn't mean that you agree with it. It means you're happy with it. But just accept it that they're a fallen human being. Or how about this? Hurting people hurt people. Just accept it. Make allowance. Uh, bear with one another. Uh, accept them. Endure. Be patient. All words to say, listen, when you're dealing with a knucklehead, it's not easy. But he goes on to say this. And forgive anyone who offends you. You say, you don't know how bad my divorce was. I got to tell you, anyone you say, well, you don't know what my last, whatever, pastor did to me. You don't know what my last boyfriend did to me. You don't know why my boss, boss fired me. I know. But the Bible says, anyone who forgives you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, 
so you must forgive others. You say, well, I've tried to do that. It's hard. It is hard. It was hard for me. It, it wasn't like that magical seventh year that it all went away. You know where my offense got out of my heart? <laughs> I ended up seeing them again. And uh, someone had taught me something about forgiveness. They said, you know, what we want to happen is when we're hurt, we want that person to come and talk to us. And we think by the ways that we punish them or the way that we hurt them, they'll, you know, get the message. But I got news for you. Most people don't get the message. And I kept waiting for this person to come to me, and they never did. And finally, somebody taught me that, that if I had been responding wrong to them, like my little passive aggressive ways of hurting them, then I'd sin against them. They sinned against me, true. But now I'm sinning back the way that I treated you. And this brother, a mature brother, he had the audacity to tell me, I need to go and ask for their forgiveness for the way that I've treated them. I said, wait a minute. I was the one that, hurt, that got hurt. He said, I know, but you didn't respond back with Christian love. And if you want to be a mature follower of Christ, you humble yourself and you go back to them. And I did. And I asked them to forgive me for what I had done to them and the way that I had treated them. And I gave several examples. You'll never guess what they said. Oh, I'm so sorry what I did. <laughs> no. They didn't say anything. <laughs> it was just kind of like I bared my soul and nothing happened. But you know what did happen? I got free. Because you see, it wasn't just about me and them. It was about me and him. And then I got free. Listen, I'm trying to help you here. Here's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the offense, but it means I turn my offense over to God for justice. It's like when somebody offends you, you make a fist. When you forgive them, you let them go. Uh, uh, to, to forgive, I turn it over to God. Now listen, I will no longer punish you or get even, but I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to give you another chance. Now here's something that I've come to find out too. Forgiveness is not just a one-time experience. Forgiveness is a process until it gets out of my soul. I had someone offend me one time. He was, was, was a person in another church. He was a preacher. And the, the problem is I had to go close to their house uh, to get to our old church. Quit trying to figure out who it was, okay? But every time I'd stop at the stoplight, my stomach would get in a knot. And I finally took Jesus' advice, and I went there. I, I just, I literally, at the stoplight, I looked that direction, and I lifted my hands, and I said, Lord, I bless them today. Whether they did it on purpose or not, I bless them. And you know what? I got free. Because it's not just about me. Listen, and that's what Joseph did. He forgave, but he chose love instead of hate. Our world today, our problems are so great. And it feels like the world's making them worse, especially when it comes to racism. I don't hear the language of love as a solution. I don't hear forgiveness. You know, it's missing from our conversation. But Joseph showed love instead of hate. Listen to Luke 6, 27. Jesus said this, but to you who are... Now, I've got to be honest with you today. There's times in my life where I've not been willing to do the Jesus thing, and I lived suffering. But Jesus said, if you're willing, I say, love your enemies. And how do you love your enemies? Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you and pray for those who hurt you. You say, Pastor, I've done that. I prayed for them. I said, Jesus, would you please burn their house down or let the tornado blow it away? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you, you cannot, you cannot pray for someone. Because when you begin to pray for them, your heart begins to soften towards them. And you realize that they're a broken person just like you're a broken person. And the compassion of God comes in. I'm preaching better than you're amening here. Listen, Jesus wants to heal. Love has the power to heal relationships. But it's a choice, not a feeling. The Proverbs in 10 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And if you find this is very difficult for you, let me suggest this to you. Ask God to help you. Just be honest and come to the Lord and just say, Lord, I believe what the guy's saying today, but... It's, it, it, it's harder for me than it makes it sound. There's a lot of pain in it for me. But, Lord, will you help me do good? Will you help me pray? 
Will you help me bless? And how many can say, I believe the Lord will hear that and help you? Come on, give him a good, a good hand today. Now, let's look at question four. What do we do when someone's offended at us? It's a little tricky because offended people usually feel that they're right and they justify their responses. Now, I'm gonna, I want to address it maybe in two different lights. One is if they're a believer and one if they're an unbeliever. If you're a believer, there's a higher standard towards reconciliation. Matthew 5, verse 23, Jesus said, If you're offering your gift at the altar, which is a way of saying if you're coming to worship God and you remember your brother has something against you. In other words, they're offended at you. Jesus said, leave your gift before the altar and go and first be reconciled to your brother. In other words, Jesus is saying it's more important to be reconciled broken relationships with other believers, with close people to you. Unity is more important than it is in just coming to church and doing your thing. Um, uh, Here's the problem, or not the problem, but we do not have to take the blame when we're not wrong. See, there's an attitude in the world today that, that, again, all I have to do is say, I'm offended. I'm offended because you make fun of bald-headed people. I'm offended. I'm offended because you call the bathroom the John. How many Johns in the room today? Wave your hand at me. Are you offended when people say they're going to the John? I think you and I, we're going to start a Facebook group and we're going we're gonna to raise money and we're going to get people in Washington to, to, to lobby for us. And we're going to make laws so nobody can call the bathroom the John ever again in life. Come on, buddy. That's what we're going to do because we're offended. Is that is just as crazy as everything else that you see? It is. Uh, now, you made me forget where I was. Yeah, I I really did forget. Okay, okay. I I don't know how we got off on that. But let's say if they're an unbeliever. See, I have a greater responsibility to my Christian family, but Romans 12, 17 says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Just because you hurt me does not give me the right to hurt you. Do things, Christian, in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. In other words, that you're doing right. You're kind. You're loving. You're not condescending or anything. But look at verse 18, and this is probably my big scripture. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. But there's some people, even if you do all you can, they won't won't reconcile with you. They're punishing you still. And listen, you cannot make somebody happy with you if they want to fight with you. You just can't do it. The best you can do is you can, you can pray for them. Uh, and, and, and don't feel bad about it because it could be part of the passive-aggressive manipulation that you're trying to reconcile. Listen, I remember this person that I'm talking about that offended me. There were several occasions where they did try to reconcile, but I wouldn't let them because I was afraid that they would hurt me again. Now you're looking guilty. Uh, what do we do? And let me close with this. Th- this part of the message so far has been about, you know, me and you and our close relationships. But let's talk culture just a little bit. Uh, what do we do when offenses and truth collide? How many believe the Bible is the literal word of God, the inerrant word of God? Uh, yeah, me too. Jesus referred to the word of God as truth. In his words, Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, do you know that Jesus regularly offended people by telling them the truth? You think, oh, not the Jesus I know. He was always loving and sweet. Let me enlighten you a little bit. Matthew 15, he's talking to the hypocritical Pharisees. They were the religious people. He said, you bunch of hypocrites, Isaiah prophesied about you and said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Not exactly a way to make friends and influence people. But listen now, verse 12, the disciples said, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Now, what should they have done? 
When Jesus the Messiah told them that they were wrong, what they should have done is they should have taken truth inside their heart. Just like when the Bible tells us we're wrong, we take truth inside our heart, we repent. But rather than repenting, they took the scandal on, they took the bait, and Satan was able to increment them a little closer to crucifying Jesus Christ. This was a group that crucified Jesus. And Jesus offended them with truth. Not only uh, the, the Pharisees, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, we preach that Christ was crucified. Jews are offended. And, 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 and listen, I stand firmly with the Jewish people today, okay? But in their day, they were looking for a political Messiah, not a Messiah to die on a cross. And the cross was offensive to them. Uh, and they took the bait, the scandal on. Uh, John 6, 60, Jesus' own followers, and this is probably the capstone, Many of his disciples heard Jesus talk about being the bread of life, and they said, this is a hard saying, but Jesus said to them, do you take offense at this, the cheese, do you take the scandal on? And when they took the scandal on, guess what the Bible says in the next couple of verses? Many of them turned and walked away from Jesus. All Jesus did was tell them the truth, but when they heard the truth, they rejected the messenger and they rejected the truth. Now, this is difficult for you and I as Christians in the world today because we live in a world today that is increasingly hostile to Christians and the Christian message. You're often called haters when you have the greatest demonstration of love than any people, you know, arguably in, 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 in the world or in the community when Christians are truly loving one another. But the world looks at us differently. Uh, let me say this about culture. Uh, our culture has gone crazy. And one of the biggest cultural sins is to offend someone. And all they have to do is say, I'm mad as H-E double toothpicks because you called the bathroom after my name. That's all you have to do. I'm going to the John, and they explode. I saw a video this week, uh, and uh, uh, there was this guy, there was a radio talk show host, and he was bragging. Because the night before, he and his wife had gone to a restaurant, and uh, uh, he ordered a salad, and his wife ordered a hamburger. And when another waitress bought the food, she gave the hamburger to, uh, uh, to him and the salad to the wife. And he just made the assumption that, well, she, just think, she must think less of me that I don't want to eat healthy or whatever. And then he said, you know what I did? I, did, I, ba I barely tipped her anything to teach her a lesson because she offended me. Now, come on. A school board in New Jersey has just gotten rid of all the holidays off of their calendar because holidays offend people. Christmas is offensive to people. Christ, Mass, the worship of Christ. Listen, this is the world that we live in today. Uh, 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 if you don't use the right pronoun for someone that is gender confused, a biological man that's trying to be a woman, and you don't refer to him as her or she, in today's world, in many places, you'll get fired or sued. You must not love transgender people. Oh, yes, I do. Whenever someone shows or indicates to me that's their lifestyle, they're the first one I go up to and love and welcome and tell them I love them and they are welcome in this church. See, the world wants to put us into boxes, but we have a problem when truth and offenses collide. I must tell you that our culture is offended over what the Bible teaches. When you share a biblical view of marriage, when you talk about a biblical view of gender or sexual immorality, when you even try to have the race discussion, our world, and listen, there's an agenda behind this. They put white people in one box. They put black people in one box. They put uh, 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 Asian people in one box. Last time I, I, I referred to Asian people as Oriental people, and my wife said, oh, no, that offends people. You can't refer to Oriental, uh, uh, Asian people as Oriental people. I said, honey, listen, I'm getting old. I can't remember all these things. This is the world that we live in today. So, what? listen, the world hates. It hates us. It hates when we talk about salvation through Christ alone. All you did was quote John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, our, our work ethic. You, you know, work, capitalism, hard work, rewarded for your, you know, your acting responsibly and being blessed. You know, the fuel for the, product, for the uh, uh, industrial revolution in America, you look in your history books, it was the Protestant work ethic. 
It was that sense that people are designed and created to work. And when we work, we're blessed and we can prosper and have nice things in life. But that's being attacked in our world of socialism today. So what, 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 how do we make sense of all this? What do we do? Let me say this. Friends, our culture and people may be offended when biblical truth is conveyed. But that's not my problem. That's their problem. Now, here's what I have to do. Listen, when I stand for truth, there are some people that will get offended at me just like they did it with Jesus. Christians should never be demeaning. We should never be arrogant. We should never be self-righteous. But we should also be, always be gentle, kind, and respectful. But at the same time, we should never abandon Jesus. And we, could never, we should never abandon the truth because it's the truth that sets people free. And I don't know about you, but I love people, and I want to see them experience freedom from a lifestyle of bondage and shame and sin, and I want them to hear, just like I will one day, Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet, and uh, let me say this. I hope I didn't offend you today. But I guarantee you when I touch some of our little cultural hot-button issues, everybody has an opinion. And I guarantee you in some of us, there was a little wall that bumped up. But here's what I, the question that I asked when I began this series. Is the Bible literally the Word of God? Now, all I did today was, I didn't give you any political opinions. What I did today is try my best to give you a well-reasoned, balanced, biblical approach to our culture. Now, if you think I was wrong, I want you to communicate with me because I don't want to be wrong. I, I'm going to be responsible for the, what I say to you when I stand before God in judgment one day. So if I was wrong, I want you to send me an email. Send it to Travis.Jackson at churchontherock.org. Send it to me, John.Miller. But use Bible. Don't use Fox News or CNN News. or. Blah, 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 blah. It's the truth that sets us free. And that's the way I want to live. I want you to bow your heads a minute. And I want us to, let's forget about culture just a second. And I want you to, let's go back to us being offended. If the Holy Spirit put his finger on something today, a relationship that you're in, and you've been, if I can say, cutting your grass, reliving that offense every day, and there's a wall that's being built Maybe the wall's already 10 foot high, or maybe you just put the first brick in the wall. I'm going to ask you today to choose to be like Joseph, to choose to love instead of hate, and to choose to forgive because Christ has forgiven you. Now, nobody's looking around now, but if there's an offense, I want you to just kind of close, make a fist with one of your hands. And I want you to acknowledge to the Lord that that's what you've done with that wrong that was done you in our own little subconscious or deliberate way we've tried to punish back our hurts but now we want to forgive them why not you just open that fist and just say Lord I, I want to release this person today and I want to ask you Holy Spirit to help me because it's hard help me to forgive them and help me to love them instead of hate them help me Lord to do good to them. Help me, Lord, to not respond with evil. And Lord, if there's someone, if you're here today and you know someone is offended with you, oh my, that's a big one. But to swallow your pride and humble yourself and say, I know I hurt you, but I want to ask you to forgive me. God, I just know that there's going to be many, many relationships restored because we act in the mature Christian fashion. So help us with this, Holy Spirit. Guide us in it, the right time and the right place. But Lord, we don't want to give place to Satan. We don't want to give the devil any more room to destroy our lives. We want the Holy Spirit to help us. Just slip your hands to heaven all over the building right now and just say, Lord, help me to lead an offense-free life. Lord, I don't want to be offensive to people. 
Lord, I want to be a loving person. I want to be a person of restoration. I want to be a unifier. But Lord, sometimes it's hard because Lord, we get offended and sometimes it's to the most simple things. Holy Spirit, help us to have a tender heart, Lord, and always remind us when we need to forgive and love. And Lord, this whole deal about our culture, help us, Lord, never to be afraid to speak the words of Christ because people won't like us. Help us have the courage and boldness to stand for you, even if it's costly. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be just as loving as Jesus was on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I bless my friends now in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Listen, thank you for coming. I love you. Pastor Travis is going to close. And dads, don't forget your little gift that's out there. And I hope to, uh, I'm going to change clothes and I'll see you out at the uh, car show. God bless you. I love you. Listen, are you glad you came today? Amen. We're glad that you're here. I want to invite our prayer team to come up to the front. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. Remember, uh, as Pastor John said, come out, hang out with us, get some food. Uh, a lot of food available to buy. Make sure you support the youth group. Uh, you can buy Chicken Express from them. And listen, we want to recognize some of our pastor friends that are here, Pastor Johnny and Barb Riley. Would you wave at everyone right there? pastoring uh, here in Texarkana, Mount Orange Baptist Church. We're so glad to see y'all. And they have a great testimony they're going to be sharing in the weeks to come. Uh, but listen, if you're in here today, Pastor John talked about offense. He talked about forgiveness. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to ask God to forgive you. Listen, it's our sin that separates us from God. And before you leave, I think the greatest thing that you could do is make sure that you're right with the Lord. Maybe you need to just say, God, come forgive me. God, come save me. Maybe you need to turn from maybe some things you've been doing and turn towards Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is faithful and he forgives us. Listen, I'll be over here at the cross. If you need to get right with God, you want to repent of your sins, you want to turn to him. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team is here. Let's lift our hands for another moment. Then we're going to go outside and uh, eat some food. And our prayer team is here. God bless.